Manx Radio Podcasts, powered by Shaw. Hello and welcome to the Women's Day Podcast, where this week we marked International Women's Day by asking for your thoughts on equality and about the women who inspire you. We also talked this week about whether or not parents should publicly shame their children if they've done something wrong, and we also heard from the Manx bard Stacey Astle. But first, Emily Cattle's baby girl Catherine was born with a serious heart defect in November last year and she had surgery at just four weeks old. She was the youngest baby that surgeons at Alderhay have ever performed such an operation on. Well, happily now, Catherine is doing very, very well and her mum Emily wants to thank Alderhay and the British Heart Foundation for saving her daughter. We found out how on Women's Day this week, but first Emily began by explaining more about the condition that Catherine was born with. There's four main problems wrong um, with a baby born with um, a fallow's condition, um, with the main problem being the connection from the heart to the lungs um, would be narrow, which meant there wouldn't be enough oxygenated blood going pumping um, round round my baby's body. Mm-hmm. So um, the baby can actually be born blue, but we were so lucky with Catherine that she was born born a pink fallows. Um, she was a moderately severe case, which um, we knew about before we flew over to Liverpool to have her. Um, the whole way through, we were so lucky that it actually got picked up because a lot of fallows um, children aren't picked up until they're born, and that's when um, the doctor does the, you know, a newborn check and they hear a murmur, and it's just a little bit of a strong murmur, so they do a bit more investigation, and that's when they find out and with most fallow babies that there's something wrong with the heart um, but we were so lucky that on my 20 week scan over here in the Isle of Man it was picked up straight away everything else was fine but they just couldn't um, tick off that a heart was functioning normal um, she had four main pumping chambers and she had um, very good anatomy which was the reason why they could operate on her so soon um, at four weeks old but yeah, we were very lucky that they picked her up over here. And so this this is the amazing thing. So she had heart surgery at the age yeah. of just four weeks. That, that, four that weeks. must be some sort of record, I would have thought. Yeah, um, she's the um, youngest baby that older high have ever operated on in a fellow's case. She weighed 3.6 kilograms. Um, and, yeah, she was tiny. That's incredible. It's just amazing <laughs> to think, isn't it, that they can actually carry out. So you yeah. think the baby was that small, the heart would have been... Minuscule. Yeah, yeah. She was tiny. And um, walking her down to the theatre, myself and my husband um, handing over this tiny, tiny baby for, you know, we were literally putting our baby in the hands of um, the experts at Alderhey. Um, what was it like that moment? It must have been terrifying. It was terrifying. It was absolutely scary. And she was operated on. Well, we walked her down to theatre at 8.35 on Boxing Day morning and um, the operation took exactly six hours, wow. um, which we were told um, it could last, you know, anything between six hours, eight hours, 24 hours. It all depends what happens when they put, put her on the bypass machine. And, and how long was it before, after the operation, so the six hours of the operation you, operation you had to wait? Yeah. How much longer then before you could be told... It's been successful. Um, we were very lucky. Our um, our surgeon actually phoned us six hours to the minute from um, when she went went down. So she she left. We left her at eight thirty five a.m. and then we got the phone call six hours later from the surgeon himself to say that the operation went as planned and it was successful. However, the next twenty four hours, as with any operation, is um, when a baby's on bypass is critical. So she was still on the ventilator when we saw her um, six, six and a half hours later. Um, 
and she was in intensive care. They're very good at Alta High. We were like with her the whole way. As soon as she was um, brought in from the surgery, she went into intensive care, and it's all like open plan, so you can actually sit beside your baby's bedside and um, just be with them and hold their hand. And um, it was very scary, obviously, seeing her. Um, um, on the ventilator that was breathing for her and that was the next hurdle we had to overcome was to get her off that and breathing for herself. A wonderful good news story. Yeah. We hear so many sort of bad reports these days perhaps coming out of the health service but it was you know it was good news over here it was spotted so quickly and then dealt yeah. with so efficiently wonderfully over, yeah, over it as was, well. Yeah it was very organised um, it was di- something they, they couldn't tell over here they don't have the um, equipment to investigate to see exactly what was wrong so we had a couple of appointments at the Liverpool Women's Hospital where they go in depth and they do basically an echo within the uterus to find out exactly what's wrong with your baby's heart and once we were diagnosed with um, the fallow condition um, I was then booked in to deliver at 39 weeks at Liverpool Women's Hospital on the 23rd of November and she was born in the morning at 10 to 1 on the 25th of November. And how I believe Catherine now is quite literally in the pink. Yeah, she's very, very pink now. Um, and that was the first thing we noticed um, when, when we saw her after the operation was how pink she was. So we didn't actually realise how blue she was before. Um, she was our first baby, so we had nothing to compare it to. And um, obviously she had a, quite a few like spells um, that brought her to the operation. Um, with a fellow's condition, they can have um, something called um, tat spells, which is where there isn't enough um, oxygenated blood pumping around the body, so they find it really hard to breathe, and the sat- their oxygen saturation levels go right down, um, and she she had to have oxygen quite a few times to bring her, her sat levels back up, because a normal baby and, like, you know, a normal person is 99, 100%, and we saw some scary numbers, you know, when she went right down to 50%, and we saw a 32, and, you know, the red the red um, toggle was um, pulled in Alderhigh, and all the nurses came running, you know, quick oxygen mask on her to bring her back up to, you know, normal. And even then, like, she, she was because she was so pink born and her anatomy was so good she never really went blue she just went gray but when we saw her for the first time after the operation we just it was like a different baby she was so pink and like the soles of her feet and her hands she was just so pink and we were like oh my goodness (laughs) you were blue You're paying tribute, obviously, to the great work of the health services on the island and indeed over there yeah. in Liverpool as well. But you're also aiming to do something a bit more tangible. Yeah, and um, we're actually going to do something um, which is I'm calling a pink party. And we're not celebrating the fact that she's a girl, even though we're very, very happy that she's a girl. I never had a normal pregnancy. We were so worried how she would be born, like whether she'd be able to breathe for herself and, you know, going to other people's baby showers. It was like heartbreaking for us. And, um, I just decided then when I was pregnant that I wanted to do something for Catherine and to give back to Alderhey and over here and for further research for the British Heart Foundation as well. That it'd be nice to throw like a, a mini baby shower. And then the idea for a pink party was born and then um, we decided um, to celebrate the fact that Catherine is now really pink and her oxygen levels are now 100% and not 60 anymore. 
um, we want to throw a little party for her um, and we're going to charge people, which sounds really bad, you've got to pay to come to a party, <laughs> but it's £5 a ticket for all our friends and family. Um, and the Polaroids Golf Club have actually um, donated the room to us and um, they're putting on like a, a hot buffet for us and we're having an, a DJ and it's going to be like a really good celebration of Catherine's life. And we're going to ask like local businesses if they're able to um, donate, you know, any... Um, prizes that we can auction off as a raffle and and people like all our friends and family can pay for you know a raffle ticket and stuff and every single penny that we raise will be going to Alder High Children's Hospital and the British Heart Foundation so 50 50 because it was Alder High that saved her but it was the research done behind the scenes through the British Heart Foundation too so we just want to honour both of them because they gave us our little girl back. <laughs> And you've set up a Just Giving page, I think? I have, yeah. Um, it's a Just Giving page. It's under Catherine Cattle, um, open heart surgery at just four weeks old. So if anybody wants to donate anything, um, all money will go to the British Heart Foundation in Alder High because we can't thank them enough for saving our baby girl. The whole idea of having International Women's Day, there is a, a general theme. I think this year's theme is parity. Um it's interesting, we're going to be talking about uh, the need to have an International Women's Day at all on the show tomorrow. What are your thoughts on that? Why do we need a day specifically highlighting women? I think when we get comments coming in like that, specifically saying that this is why women are paid less, um, it's, it's not necessarily showing that women are viewed as equal. And because of a medical issue that occurs fully um, women shouldn't be treated in this way necessarily I think women's day is important to just point out all the fantastic things that women do and all of these roles they're in but also it's it's just such a big topic I suppose in terms of feminism in general but why shouldn't there be a day for women and another thing that's very important especially when mother's day gets brought up is the fact that there's so many women that do so many fantastic things who aren't mothers um, so it's it's nice to be able to celebrate all of these different achievements in a variety of ways. Can I ask then, because we will be talking about this tomorrow anyway, but one of the things we were discussing earlier, uh, from what you're saying then, you know, it's good to celebrate the equality. Shouldn't there then also be an international man's day? That's exactly what I was thinking too. There you go. <laughs> I'm, I'm one of those horrible militant feminists that would say every day <laughs> is men's day, um, which isn't always going to be a popular opinion. But I think there's a lot of issues in society with the way that women are viewed. And I know a lot of people disagree hugely with that. But personally, from my experience, I've been in situations where there's definitely been a hugely different view between myself and other people. And as a woman who's studying in an area which is very masculine and male driven, I find a lot of the time I get quite patronised and things like this. So personally, I think it's nice to be able to celebrate women in these areas um, who are doing fantastic work. So you do you do feel that you're viewed differently as a female poet rather than just as a poet? I don't know if it's necessarily in the poetry world. I've Since I've started doing the bard role, I've met fantastic people and I've had nothing but support at all. But I'd say that within the poetry world, there's probably a lot of people who think slightly differently to a lot of other people. I'd, it's generally described as artsy-fartsy, isn't it? You get that kind of attitude. And it's not the case with everybody, but I think there is a, a bit more liberal thinking, maybe. And you get a range of people in society, but I've been in other areas where I, I do get looked down upon a bit and I think all of us have probably experienced that at some stage in in our working careers and otherwise. Jan would you describe yourself as a feminist? No I don't think I would no um, I mean I'm, I 
I work in a female dominated profession um, and it's lovely to see um, actually as in libraries more and more librarians and are going for, into the senior management roles when I first started in libraries 20 years ago um, I worked in Leeds libraries before moving over to the Isle of Man and all the head librarians were men as I left sort of about 15 years later it was half and half and I now understand from my moles still in Leeds that the senior management team are all women and that to me represents the fact that it's a female dominated profession and it's only right that the women have sort of risen to the top but through achievement through um yeah being there and, and doing it on the ground working the way up so then imagine your child does something wrong and you think they need to understand the consequences of their actions how far would you go to do that well one mother has taken to facebook to publicly shame her 12 year old son after she found out he'd been bullying a new girl at his school terry evans said she was disgusted when she found out her son had trodden on the girl's foot so hard it had snapped the heel on her brand new shoes so she wrote a facebook post and it said if you so much as breathe in her or anyone's direction in a bullying manner, I will personally hand you over to their parents for every demeaning chore they see fit for as long as they do. You can kiss goodbye to your birthday money as you'll be buying the girl a new pair of shoes and a bunch of flowers. Well, that post has been shared nearly 60,000 times in the past two weeks and it's attracted support and opposition, I think it's fair to say. Uh, some have praised her initiative and bravery in being so open about her son's wrongdoings. Others suggest it's tantamount to little more than bullying in itself. But what do you think? Was this mother right to post the status to show her son and his friends that his actions had consequences or is it just another form of bullying? Uh, Women today at maxradio.com. You can text Wonderful six one double seven we've posted this story on the women's day facebook page you can also comment via twitter it's at mr women today i think the first thing that i'd want to say is that her son is 12 technically he shouldn't even be on facebook and nor should his friends if that was the idea of this to show them uh, the consequences of their actions what did you make of it joe i wouldn't like to be him going into school the next day could you imagine that oh no consequence of that in itself i think that you know it, it it's pretty horrific you know these kids these teenagers they push us to the limit sometimes and i can understand so many different things and i am absolutely not here to judge um, because people would probably obviously judge me on certain things that go on in my life with my children um, so I can only see that she's been pushed and maybe she's tried other tactics, I don't think we know what else she's done, maybe she's talked to him maybe she's spoken to the teachers, maybe no one is willing to do anything and so the only thing she can feel that she can do is scream out to the public and say you know this is not a part of me because I think a lot of parents feel as if they're being judged and she may be one of these people that feels that that's the first thing that's going to happen is that she's been judged as a parent and maybe she feels that she's a great parent and doesn't want to be judged um putting it on pace putting it on facebook oh it's just horrific for the world to see that may obviously stay there for the rest of their lives she's using the hashtag i will not have a bully in my house um, which has now gone viral and it's all over the world um, and it just worries me that did she actually want it to be so public because I mean if you look at this online she's in the Indian newspapers she's in China she's in France she's everywhere you know did she actually understand that that might happen that's well, what I, I wonder I guess that's the whole point though she wanted to to publicly shame him and she has 
done that but has you it can, backfired yeah but you can change your settings though can't you that maybe you know her setting is public and actually she thought it was private and just shared amongst her friends so maybe the setting that she had it on wasn't actually meant to be that it went so public but the fact that she's done it in the first place actually does seem the words that she's used also are pretty bullying in themselves as well so imagine you're in her shoes then you have this 12 year old son quite easy for you to do you do have a 12 year old son um and you found out he's bullying, how would you handle it? I would speak to him first of all and say obviously that um, it's come to my notice and I appear that this is happening and we would have a chat about it and if it wasn't going anywhere then I felt that I needed to then I would literally sit down with his teacher and him together in the room and I would speak to the three of us about it. I would also make him, um, as this person has done, clearly spend their own money on getting something for them to say sorry and I'd get him to write a card and apologise and take it to the person as well. Um, And, you know, I would try and work at it that way. And if that didn't work, give me an hour to think about it. Jenny, what did you make of this? I just thought the whole thing is wrong. No, I'm not not saying that I agree with bullying at all. But in like in her way of dealing with this, she is bullying her son. And it's not just a matter of embarrassing him in front of his friends. This is, you know, in front of the world. And I just don't, I don't think it's right at all. There are ways of dealing with this. And, uh, you know, as Joe said, you know, you can do this by speaking to him and, you know, asking him why he's doing it because, you know, he might be being bullied himself. Maybe he's trying to make himself better in front of his peers. You don't know. Um, And I just think she's she's gone completely too far with this one. Jenny, that is just such a good point. In actual fact, a lot of the time, people that are bullying is because they have been bullied. And I wonder and I question, because the way this mother's used her language, what actually is going on in her own home, is it in his own home life? Uh, Margaret Newton, you're not actually on Facebook yourself. Um, you do have four children. Would you have ever resorted to this if you'd found out one of them was bullying? No, I wouldn't at all. I think talking face-to-face is the answer. I agree with the two comments already made, really, uh, now. I totally agree with the idea of um, showing people the consequences of their actions. You know, the the idea that he was found out and he had to go and apologise and maybe, you know, spend his money, as you said, Joe, on, on taking something to the girl. I think the point that the mother also makes when you read the story is that this girl had left her previous school because she'd been bullied. Um, well, then know. it's an easy target then, isn't it? It's an easy target for him to obviously to have gone to her and bullied her, unfortunately, for this poor little girl. In the way that he has kind of dealt with, like the, you know, he's trying to make himself look better. His mother has done exactly the same thing. It's like her trying to make her better parent in front of others. You know, it's, she can't write it with this. It's not resolved at all. She's made it ten times worse, in my opinion. I am going to keep looking at this. I really want to find out what the consequences of it have been. I want to. I want to know more about it. I want to find out from the school what's happened, and also from the mother. You know, amongst her friendships and family, how it's gone down. It'd be interesting to see the story develop. I think. Um, and I think it's fair to say the vast majority of people who've commented on this story, Joe, have also thought she was in the wrong. Yeah, absolutely. Victoria says I hate seeing posts like that. So many have gone viral, and I strongly disagree with the reasons behind it. And the fact most people think it's funny. Social media doesn't give you the right to humiliate another person whether you are a parent or not so he says simply the answer is no just lead by example how is bullying which this certainly is your child teaching him how to behave and olivia says no it's not the way to act women today brought to you by citywing.com for your next flight away would you say that equality is important yeah because women are women are still basically although they say we're equal to men we're not we're not in wages or um 
social, social skills or anything like that. I think we're still basically second class at the moment, you know. I mean, a lot of people would probably disagree, but I think when you come down to the nitty-gritty, we are. There's a lot of companies that don't actually have women, even within the, the, you know, the chairman and then the executive. They're just below that level and they just can't get there. Do you think equality is important in this day and age? Yes, to a certain extent, but why should I lower my standards to be like a man? Yes. Well, why not, is the thing, yeah. Yes, um, because women work as hard as men and, you know, they should be paid the same and treated the same. Yeah, of course, we should all have the same opportunities, um, but also it's okay if you want to be a woman as well if you know what I mean and yeah vice versa. I think we're all equal. Nobody's better than anyone else. We're all the same. Well I think women should be paid the same as men. Well we're all the same aren't we? Yeah women are as actually more important than men. We are very good multitaskers. <laughs> men are not. They can only do one thing. Quality yes. I don't like the way that the women are treated, especially with the wages. My wife's worked all her life, got a full pension, right? but uh, each year her pension gets further away than mine, simply because she don't get as much. It's all wrong. I am sure there are very few parents who haven't been left a little bit red-faced at some point because their little darlings had a full-blown meltdown in public. Or perhaps I've been out with Joe. But have you ever been asked to leave a shop or a cafe because of it? Well, one mother said she was left embarrassed after she was asked to leave a John Lewis store when customers complained because her toddler was having a tantrum. Uh, Lindsay was out shopping with a friend at the store's Trafford Centre branch in Dumplington. What a great name. Uh, when her 16-month-old daughter started making her presence felt. Uh, Lindsay said she tried to calm her down. She tried to get the harness on. Um, but then she was asked to leave. She made a formal complaint. She was offered a £20 voucher at as an apology, but do we think that she was right to be asked to leave if the noise was disturbing other customers? Should they have been more sympathetic? Have you ever been asked to leave somewhere because of a tantrum, your child's rather than yours? Or would you complain if a child's wailing was just that little bit too loud? Women Today at MaxRadio.com, text 166177. Had loads of thoughts on this on the Women Today Facebook page. I mean, Joe, it must have happened to you at some point. Oh, so many times. I'd always in John Lewis, actually. I was never asked to leave. Um, and yeah, I I have to say, and that's just simply when I wasn't allowed to get my jumper that I wanted. No, um, I have to say, uh, I've been in so many situations with both my children where they've misbehaved and had tantrums. Of course I had. It's completely normal. And I think that you get a lot more stressed with it. Therefore, the child picks up on it and therefore the child gets more stressed too. And it's very difficult because I've had people tutting at me. I've had people looking and staring. And, you know, it's the public's perception. It's very, very sad because they obviously don't think that they've had a tantrum ever in their life before. Um, but I am... Um, I wouldn't say I was ever asked to leave, but I chose myself to leave, I guess, when my toddler constantly kicked off a music group. But it is, it's the public's perception. It's very sad. Uh, Jenny, you have a small son. Has this ever happened to you? It hasn't. He's been very, he's a very good boy, but it is stressful taking a toddler into the shop. Oh, Your child's goodness. never had a, tantr- a tantrum. No, he doesn't. He's, he's great. He's brilliant. No, no, um, no, no, no. But, you know, I, I am one for, if I see a woman struggling with a toddler, I don't look at them, you know, you just let them get on with it. But this really shocked me. And I couldn't believe that they offered them a £20 voucher. <laughs> they did send some sorry. flowers oh, as well. Right. Oh. Well, they, well, you know, nice. I still don't think that's completely, you know, recovering the situation. But it is stressful. It's Mark, stressful. Tyler, you have children and grandchildren oh, now. Your views yes. on this? Well, daughter, uh, when she was two, we lived in... In Gibraltar and 
the phrase, I can do it, Daddy, I can do it, Mummy, was the phrase, I can do it. And think, she can do it. That's fine. Don't help her. Uh, one of the t- daily things was pushing the pushchair across the runway where the aeroplanes land in Gibraltar because that our flat was one side of the runway, the town is the other side. And as a road goes across it, lights start flashing because that's an aeroplane coming. And you get shouted at by air traffic controllers and by military police people saying, please clear the runway. There is an air... I can do it, Daddy. I can do it. <laughs> can you imagine picking up a child and a pushchair and running for the safety barriers as a British Airways passenger jet is hurtling towards you from England? You, and, and she still tells that story herself. I can do it, Daddy. It will never, ever stop ringing in my ears. We didn't cause an international incident but it was close i love the press that this has received as well you know it is absolutely everywhere i tried to get hold of the lady but it was impossible to get hold of her um, and also I kind of got in touch with a few of the newspaper companies and they haven't come back to me because i'm dying to speak to her she needs to have like a fanfare every time she walks into john lewis now doesn't she it's brilliant um but i, I can't believe that she was asked to leave i mean i do know it is annoying if uh, somebody's child is kicking off but we have all been there do you know get a grip let be a little bit more sympathetic and yeah we've all been there apart from one well yeah who sat with us who allowed you on the radio (laughs) every Uh, child has a tantrum some interesting thoughts on this john says uh, most people nowadays have no control over their kids or even think it's necessary whatever the little darlings do is wonderful nobody else has ever considered a fair point there uh joe and jenny some more comments yep susie has said my daughter developed an ear piercing shriek at eight months old about a week before we were about to go on holiday my very sensible child mind has said she was only doing it for attention so to ignore her it was hard but we were able to do it until we got on the plane to Cyprus. She shrieked, everyone turned around, so she did it again and again and again for four hours. And Lindsay says, when my youngest was a baby, um, he occasionally had what I called tired tantrums, where he would inconsolably scream for about 45 to 90 minutes until he finally went to sleep. It was totally unpredictable and a nightmare. Yes, and Samantha says, the toddler was 16 months old. How ridiculous. I work in a shop and if a parent is struggling with a less than happy child, I have a stash of stickers, some colouring sheets, flags and crayons, and I subtly ask the parent if I can help and would any of these help? It's honestly humbling to meet you. You are 16. Where did your love for education come from? Um, we are human beings and this is the part of our, of our human nature that we don't learn the importance of anything until it's snatched from our hands. And when, in Pakistan, when we were stopped from going to school, at that time, I realized that education is very important and education is the power for women. And that's why the terrorists are afraid of education. They do not want women to get education because then women would become more powerful. They took the signs off of schools. They went underground. You spoke out publicly against the Taliban. What gave you the courage to continue this? My father was a great encouragement for me because he spoke, of, uh, he spoke out for women's rights. He spoke out for girls' education. And at that time, I said that, why shall I wait for someone else? Why shall I be looking to the government, to the army, that they would help us? Why don't I raise my voice? Why don't we speak up for our rights? The girls of SWAT, they spoke up for their rights. I started writing diary. I spoke on every media channel that I could. And I raised my voice on every platform that I could. And I said, I need to tell the world what is happening in SWAT. And I need to tell the world that SWAT is suffering from terrorism. And we need to fight against terrorism. When did you realize 
the Taliban had made you a target? Uh, when uh, in 2012, um, we were, I was with my father and someone came and she told us that, have you seen on uh, Google that if you search your name and uh, the Taliban have threatened you? And I just could not believe it. I said, no, it's not true. Because we thought that the Taliban are not that much cruel that they would kill a child. Because I was 14 at that time. But then I said, if he comes, what would you do, Malala? Then I would reply myself that, Malala, just take a shoe and hit him. But then I said, <laughs> <laughs> but then I said, if you hit a Talib with your shoe, then there would be no difference between you and that Talib. You must not treat others Aye. that much with cruelty and that much harshly. You must fight others, but through peace and through dialogue and through education. Then I said, I'll tell him how important education is and that I even want education for your children as well. And I'll tell him, that's what I want to tell you. Now do what you want. Now, a report has found the vast majority of young women in the UK have been sexually harassed in public places. Paul Smith has the details. Nearly 9 out of 10 18 to 24-year-olds claim they've suffered unwanted sexual attention. Whistling, staring. I could be in jeans and boots like today and it's, oi, sexy. It makes me feel really vulnerable. A YouGov survey also suggests two-thirds of women have experienced some form of harassment in the streets or on public transport. Sarah Green is from the End Violence Against Women Coalition. We need to have a conversation about the fact that it's not trivial, that it's not funny, and how it makes women feel. The poll also found some ethnic minorities not only face inappropriate sexual comments, but racism too. So nearly half of 18 to 24-year-olds say they've experienced unwanted sexual touching. One in ten women say someone offered to help them, but most admit they would have liked others to have intervened. So some pretty, I'd say some pretty shocking statistics in this. But what do we actually think about these findings? Are we... Are we surprised at all? I don't know, Joe. What did you make of them? You know, I am actually quite surprised, but also I don't enjoy reading this kind of thing because, you know, I do have a young daughter and I'm thinking about her growing up on the streets. And I think we take for granted over in the Isle of Man that we do feel pretty safe. I mean, I know that even, you know, older people tend to move over to the Isle of Man because they feel as if they can walk around the streets in safety. But I don't think we should ever take it for granted completely. Um, but if you're in London, I do feel that you need to be a lot more aware um, and I think people uh, in England, you tend to get a lot more comments said to you in England as well than you do in the Isle of Man, I've noticed too. Jenny, what did you think about this? Um, it's, it's, I don't know how you'd kind of define harassment. It's, it's a very, you know, it's hard to say this is that and this is the other. Um, you know, I've been, I've had people saying things, you know, boys saying things, and I've kind of just kind of went, you know, not really too bothered. But, and, you know, somebody said there that they were being stared at. And, you know, is that... Can that be harassment? I can't really understand that. Really. I think that is such a good point, Jenny, actually. The fact that what do we classify as harassment? What is it? Because, yeah, to just be looked at, I mean, come on, we could have a little bit of flirting going on, can't we? We have that it, in the workplace, even. Isn't it anything, though, that makes you feel uncomfortable? Well, you know what? What makes you uncomfortable and might not make me uncomfortable? I, mean, I think probably we might know that. But, you know, I do think that, in actual fact, some people just take things too far. Yeah. And I think we need to just chill out a bit because, you know, it's just an easy claim to make, isn't it? Um, I think when it is something 
quite specific it might be a sexually harassment but I think as you say Jenny to be looked at to have a bit of banter with I think with I think we just need to chill out a little bit more I was really interested in um, the comments that were made about intervention Mark and it took me back um, to something that you had said way before Women's Day actually even started about an incident you witnessed driving home one last uh, one night which really got you thinking yes it was just uh, one of those moments you think what should I do I'd finished the late show sitting in on the late show for Ben I think it was and there was a, a, a young woman I don't know how old not very young let's say 20 something uh, staggering up the up the road um, one shoe on obviously tottering a bit worse for wear it's about two in the morning and I thought, what I really want to do is just say, can I, can I take, give you a lift? Are you all right? Can I give you a lift? I didn't. Because what if, da-di-da, she thinks I'm, I'm going to be unpleasant. I get at home. She says, that was a bloke from Manx Radio gave me a lift. Oh, I'm sure he touched me in an inappropriate... But So I didn't stop. And I felt wretched about not stopping. Because every instinct in my body, being a father, being a grandfather, you know, with you know, family, you, you think, well, I should be able, I should be able to do something, and I didn't. Now, going back to your point about what's appropriate and what's inappropriate, I think uh, from my side, from, from I think a lot of other guys, we don't know because we're not that clever what sort of interest a woman wants when they are all dressed up looking fantastic and fabulous and got skimpy little clothes on and look amazing what are we supposed to do it's like that old, old question does my bum look big, big in this it's it's almost that conundrum what do you do what do you do you look do you look away now somebody is dressed for impact what do you, what am I supposed what are they supposed to do? I think that is also a really good point though because it goes back to the way everybody dresses these days you know and I think actually it puts a lot of pressure on guys because the girls are out there dressed up and teenagers a lot of these days are dressing basically wearing next to nothing but I think it's a really sad society that we live in if yeah. you're even thinking that you can't even pick a girl up off the street to help her because you're worried about what might happen. I think if I'd have had my wife in the car we would have done. Yeah. I think that would have been fine. She, my wife could have put her in the back, said, where do you live, love? Yeah, take you home. That, and that's not a problem. Uh, that would have been quite different. But me on my own, I just, I backed away from it. It's an interesting point you raised there about the, uh, the being dressed. And there's a, a woman who is behind a new campaign, which I'll mention in just a moment, who talks about the really unfortunate old-fashioned school of thought in certain circles that women dress wearing short skirts for example and so therefore they are asking for it and I can see what you're saying Mark, I'm, not saying, you find... oh, I'm not saying that at all I'm saying because nobody nobody should be made to feel uncomfortable but what should my reaction be should I even look I'm not talking about oh she's asking for it at all please don't think that I'm just saying do I look away when somebody is dressed to impress somebody else I don't know are they dressed to impress somebody else or are they just dressed oh, for themselves of course of course. Oh, I, don't, I, don't I really think, you know, when you go out with a bunch of girls and you and there may be your friends that you go out with and you can tell the ones that are out to impress and the ones that just want to have a good night because it tends to be what's on show because you, you, you're asking for a reaction for it. You're not just going out because you think, you know, I've got a great pair of assets. I'm just going to have them for myself. You know, you can do that by just actually wearing something simple. But if you're exposing yourself, you I think you are asking to have attention. Yeah, I think the proof of that kind of lies in Facebook, to be honest, with all the selfies. You know how many girls take pictures of themselves before they go out and, you know, that that's proof in itself that they're not just doing it 
well, they are doing it to make themselves look good, but at the same time, they're waiting for opinions from everyone else. Absolutely. You've got to question why people are doing that. And, you know, if we're all very honest with ourselves, if you take a selfie and put it on social media, you want likes, you know, because <laughs> at the end of the day, you know, girls can be quite needy. And I think that if you don't get the likes, you get disappointed. Yes. Uh, <clears throat> this isn't speaking for myself, though. Thank you so much for downloading the Women Today podcast. As ever, we do really want to hear from you. Who do you want to hear on the show? What sort of topics do you want us to be talking about? Go to the Women Today Facebook page, like and follow the page. You can message us there. You can follow us on Twitter. It's at MR Women Today, or you can also email us womentoday at manxradio.com. We are here just after two o'clock every weekday. Do hope you can join us. Don't sit in the slow lane. Join the fast lane right now with Shaw's all new Superfast Plus Broadband. Enjoy more bandwidth, amazing speeds, and the best value on the island from just £23.95 per month. So don't be left behind. Get a piece of the high speed action with Superfast Plus Broadband from Shaw. For details, visit our stores in Douglas, Ramsey, and Port Erin or click Shaw.com. Love being Shaw. Terms and conditions apply.